Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Find and Follow podcast. So glad you're tuning in today as Craig, Scott, and Kyle help you find and follow Jesus. Put that on there. A lot of pressure. I don't know if you feel that, but that's that's what we're doing here in this casual conversation of uh, looking at the like life how, of Jesus. I like how you went from left to right there from the viewer's perspective. Okay, yeah. If you're watching yeah. on the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, it's it seems like the most simple thing in life and to you know over- people's names. Oh, yeah. But I got to like do a visual look, and that's why it's always different because my brain's rolling, and I'm like, who's sitting here? Sometimes you think you're smarter than you are, and you're like, oh, I can't remember people's names that I know. Anyways, we're back here at the Podcast HQ walking through what it means to live life following Jesus because uh, we say it all the time. It's really the best way to live life. Um, it's really kind of maybe the only way to have life. And so like uh, this last week, we lived some life and hopefully following Jesus well. And the Gonzaga Bulldogs won, barely. And so they're well, back on. that was on, a good game too. They're back on tap today. Kyle's got full Zags gear. Yep. Hey, I got my Zag shirt on. Snap. I got a Zag shirt for later. Oh, you. I got a double switch? outfit today. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got to be more professional during the day. I got a I got a thing later this afternoon. I didn't. I just wanted to be a little. You're gonna put your bow tie on and your your. It's not that that <laughs> professional, but just didn't want to wear a Zags t-shirt. Is that okay. right? I, you do you, man. That's you do you. You do you. You do. I've you, heard boo. that before. Yeah, I've heard that in a different context <laughs> where it's not so great. I think t-shirt wearing it's okay. Um, prediction? You got any thoughts about today's game? I think it's gonna be a tough game. I think Arkansas is like a little bit better and tougher version of Memphis, and Memphis gave them a run. So if they body up like Memphis did, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a brawl. Yeah, but don't you think the rest will hopefully hopefully be a little better, and they'll call more legit fouls instead of like the third foul. The Zags are really good at getting guys into foul trouble. Oh, for sure, because they're just so crafty and, and yeah. they push the ball inside. I don't know. I don't know yeah. if it'll be that ref dependent. I don't. I'm not really one of those guys who likes to be like. Oh man, it's all the refs. Like, you'll figure out in five minutes how the refs are calling the game. Yeah, it seemed. I don't mind if they just call it consistent. Yep. A lot of times they'll call it a little inconsistent one way or the other. And sometimes the Zags are on the beneficial end of that, I feel like. I don't know what game it was this last weekend. Craig, you keeping up with the stats? There was, it was 42 free throw attempts for the team to like 12. Well, that seemed, I didn't really watch the game, I watched a couple minutes. That seemed a little lopsided. Very much so. But anyways, Sweet 16 today, it's uh, it's a hard regardless. Whoever, If you get to the Sweet 16, you're a tough team. It's been – there wasn't – even this year, there wasn't even that many guaranteed first-round games. No. There's been lots of – I mean, it always is the case, but – It's a more equal you're never, field. You're never guaranteed a win. No, there, there wasn't any 50-point blowouts where one team was just way ahead. So – and isn't this the uh, th- this number of consecutive years making it to the Sweet 16? Isn't that a record? Uh, Gonzaga, I think, is seventh. Is uh, it the seventh year in a row? I heard. I thought I heard the commentator say, now that they made it to the sixth, yeah, however many years it is, that it's more than any other college team has done consecutively making it to the Sweet 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For like the last that. few years, that's I always like to you know, talk to people, and a lot of people aren't. The Zags fans are, aren't local. Be like, oh yeah, they're a good team, but they always struggle in the in the tournament. You go, do you are you talking about the same team? Are we talking about c- facts? consecutively and winning percentage in the tournament? They're 
they're one of the best. Yep. It, the best in in recent times. And people, you know, they think of other teams from history that, you know, have won multiple titles and different stuff like that. But the Zags consistently make the tournament and consistently win. It's just games. that elusive championship. Yep. And this is the year, right, Scott? You know it. We got <laughs> two more weekends. It's going to happen. I don't know. First half of Saturday's game last that, week, that I was, was like, sad. oh, my, we're done. <laughs> What a contrast to the second half. I mean, they have a little bit of a reputation, right, of being a, a second-half team, but holy mackerel. Holy mackerels. Yeah. Uh, Tim, Timmy, for example, I mean, his stats, night and day difference, first half, second oh, half. Oh, you don't even have to love basketball to love the first about eight minutes of the second half where Timmy was just going oh my off, gosh. making he was, everything. He was on a tear. Yeah, you're just like, that's impressive. <laughs> it's amazing. It yep. was, I mean, stuff was going in that shouldn't have gone in and not his shot, but it was working. It got him back into it. Yep. It was it was fun to watch. Fun to watch. So that, that gets us caught up on uh, Zags basketball, I think. But um, it's one of those things. I'll try to connect it to Jesus. You ready? So when people go, oh, they're not that great or whatever, have you – have you looked at the stats? Do you do you pay attention to the Mark Few era and like making the tournament every single year? And then they last five years they've gone to two of the national championships. Like, do you, are you not paying attention to the Sweet Sixteen run? And then it's just anecdotal, or they're parroting what someone else said. Here's the Jesus transition when people start talking about like, well, the Bible says, or this is the way of life. Like. Do you, have you read the verses? Do you have something like, have you gone to Jesus and know what he actually says about that? You just parroting someone else or you just heard it on the street or growing up or that was just kind of your takeaway life should work or maybe maybe someone that is a Bible teacher, pastor, and you, they like misused it, misquoted it, put, took it out of context. You're like, well, I heard a pastor say that one time. Okay, well, we get stuff wrong as teachers. <laughs> There's not a, I'm not a batting a thousand here. There's stuff where I go back and go, ah, or you misheard what I was trying to convey. And in my inability to communicate all the thoughts in my head, half of them come out because I think it's clear and it's not. So again, have you looked at the scripture? So that's why, that's why people are tuning in this podcast because they're like, yeah, let's dive in. Let's jump in. Let's actually read what Jesus wrote about and taught about, or he didn't write about it, but he taught about it. People wrote it down. So we're in Matthew 6 is kind of where we left off, right in the middle of this big chunk of teaching of Jesus where he's just really like dialing it in on what it means to live the way of Jesus in everyday life, how to follow Jesus. And I'm going to just group these. You guys can break them up if you want. Uh, but starting in six, Jesus just groups, I think, giving, prayer, and fasting. And he says, basically, hey, you can live two different ways. You can live the anti-Jesus way, which is to do these things to try to impress people here on earth. And you'll get a little applause or a little attaboy or a little reward from them. Or you can live in such a way to give, prayer, pray, and fast in a way that's directed toward your heavenly father and then you can get a reward from him your choice so is that a fair that's a fair grouping broad stroke yeah yeah understanding that's what he's saying basically because he mm -hmm. has the same repetition to start each section mm -hmm. hey be, and be, he's contrasting it with the pharisees who are the poster children for uh, how to do it the wrong way they're 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 doing it for the admiration and the respect of these people, they're trying to impress the people that they're trying to keep control over in their religious establishment. And Jesus is like, no, 
They got it backwards. It's all wrong. Mm-hmm. Here's how to actually do it, you know, do what yeah, the Father... And is. he takes it a step further. We've been talking about this in, in the context of Matthew's teaching style and his, his audience. Um, he's taking the observance of the law and the things that you're supposed to do a step further than why are you doing these things and what's the heart behind it and what's your motivation. You can do all of the right things for all the wrong reasons, right? He's like... I feel look, like that's a song lyric. You want to make it up right now? No, Pick, get no, a melody for me. Legit, I think that's a song. All the I'll think about it. <laughs> I mean, you can you can go through the motions. You can give. You can do all of these things. But if you're doing it, you know, and he'll take it a step further. And a lot of the context that he's talking about is is a prideful, arrogant for you sense. But you can even do it to to try to be a rule follower. And he's gotten into that with some of the other stuff that he's talked about. And you know, we talked about the fence around the law to try just to please God. He's like, you're, you're, you're approaching this whole thing from the very wrong way. If you actually want to please God, it's, it's about seeking a heart after God and seeking about doing the things that glorify and honor and serve God. Um, and those things will line up in the, the doing right and wrong and all that kind of stuff. But as our motivation, Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, it's about actually seeking to glorify me with your, um, you know, with your gifts, with your praise, with your honor, not about glorifying your name or following the rules. Exactly, and that's a good, great point. I even wrote, I even wrote a little heart emoji in my notes there, <laughs> because it's such a thing that we don't get hung up on the new Jesus rule, right? So if if we just reread that and go, oh, they had this rule, now here's the new rule, and we stop there. Jesus is always trying to get to the heart motivation, the heart level. I, I'm glad you said that because one of the things that I noticed in this text is in the very beginning of the teaching about uh, giving to people in need, and it says. Don't do your, this is the NLT, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. And then he goes on to explain, you know, do it privately and your father who sees will reward you. And, and if, if we aren't careful, we could end up just as much stuck in the new Jesus rule as the old Pharisaical approach, you know, their rules. Um, and that, and I think in, in particular, this whole thing of, of public, I've heard some people say over the years, like, yeah, um, you know, now that people know what you're doing, you're not going to get a reward because you did it and now people know and you didn't do it secretly and it wasn't private. It's like, that's really not the point because the, the context is um, don't do your deeds publicly to be admired by others. And then he goes on and he says, um, don't do as the hypocrites blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call. Are they literally blowing trumpets and drawing attention to their good deeds? I don't know if that is a practice. I haven't researched that, but his you know, Jesus's point is not the rule. If people find out or know, and you know, it's 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 not a complete secret what you have done to help people in need. That's not the point. The motivation is the point. The heart is the point. Like if I'm if if I'm drawing attention to it publicly for the wrong reasons, that's the issue. Exactly. Because yeah, if you take it to the extreme, like we're never supposed to encourage others to give. Like, hey, I'm helping the Ukrainian-Russian conflict war, some of those refugees. Now that you've told me, now, yeah. it's, now we know, Here's, and you're going like, to get a... I'm already, I already gave. You should jump in exactly. and give through four-score disaster relief, and it yeah. goes towards... Because Jesus goes farther, Craig. He goes, verse 3, uh, when you give, don't let yourself know what yourself is doing. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. <laughs> so am I supposed to... As like, soon as you know, man, it's soon as you know it. Yeah, this is this is no our, reward for you. This is our Western like overthinking, over yeah. 
complicating it. And Jesus is actually just trying to get us to take some action without ego. And when he says left hand and right hand, I don't think it's an idiom. It's a metaphor. He's just saying, you know, everybody doesn't need to know everything. So if you do something, you don't have to tell the person on the other you know, side of the situation or somebody else that's involved in it. I, I don't think he's literally talking about your own left yeah, hand and your there, own right Where'd hand. that money in my bank account go? I don't know. But <laughs> if I did know, it might be wrong. He, he's not, yeah, he's not getting to that. That sounds he's, like he's I, I read schizophrenia a, or something. But I read a commentary <laughs> there. Who spent that, that money? You did? No, I did. <laughs> Who's talking? I, I remember reading a commentary, though, that talked about the, just the importance of, again, the depth of Jesus' words. And, the, the again, he's talking to this Jewish audience and these Pharisees of understanding, you know, your right hand and your dominant hand. And, you know, you, you work with that and you, you do that in this idea that in understanding the significance and in the, the importance of working and understanding that I'm putting myself towards something. So it is a little bit of a delineation between this idea of, like, Hey, yeah, separate these things from your pride and your ego and your work and your effort and your generosity. Like, there should be a delineation in your mind that it's not just like, look at how hard I worked and what I did and I'm giving because I'm amazing. Again, it, even the words he uses are not, I, I think, you know, like literal in the sense that we would think of, but understanding the heart behind what he's getting at is um, all about our effort and our motivation to why we're doing what we're doing. And uh, Craig, I, I appreciate how you said this idea that a lot, a lot of people just think of like, okay, here's the new Jesus rules. There's these old ones, and he's coming. I mean, because I think a lot of the Jewish audience would have seen this. It's like it's a new Moses type thing, right? He's on a mountain. He's got a word from the Lord for rules, right? It's it's very similar to what they would have understood from Moses is getting the Ten Commandments from God. So here's this new guy with new commandments from God on a mountain. So we just do these new things and just follow the rules, and it's very legalistic and it's very black and white, and I mean, it's it's easy for people to look at that, but I, th- I think that they're missing the point so far because everything you look in here that Jesus is saying has to do with our motivation and why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, and as Jesus followers, we have the Spirit of God in us. First Corinthians, or, or Second Corinthians 3, 6, He has enabled us to be ministers of this new covenant, this is a covenant not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. And so following Jesus is a, a, a new way to follow Jesus, driven by the Spirit. And it's, um, it's a law of love. And if you love others like Jesus loves you, and love doesn't do harm to its neighbor, then you fulfill everything that Jesus is requiring of us, quote-unquote, with laws or regulations. And so, because this comes down to that heart motivation, because you think about like, and just put it down real practically, when you go to giving, if we look at whatever, one, two million refugees coming out of Ukraine right now, what kind of arrogance would I have to have to think that my generosity is going to solve that problem or resolve the whole issue? And that's kind of, I think, what Jesus is saying is like, hey, you give to the needy, it is needed, it is help, and it is vital, right? But if I give like 50 bucks to a disaster relief... And then I sit back and go, well, look at me. Look at what I did. Like, your 50 bucks solved the Ukrainian refugee issue for millions of people? Like, what kind of arrogance would I have to have in my own heart at the same time to have a proper understanding of generosity and giving to people? It's not about me. It is about them. And so giving 50 bucks and encouraging others to do do the same is helpful. It actually will benefit some people, not all of them, uh, 
I heard this story, Zig Ziglar, teacher, motivational guy from previous generation, more of your generation. Why are you looking at me? Because <laughs> you're, old, you're older than me. Things. <laughs> um, he tells a story, a guy walking down the beach and the tide had washed up thousands of starfish. And there's a guy walking down, grabbing one and throwing it in. And another guy walks up and goes, you can't save all these starfish. And he goes, nope, but I can this one and that one and that one. Isn't it Andy Stanley who says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone? Yeah, I think that's a, he got that from uh, Starfish. He probably did. <laughs> probably did. <laughs> starfish. And so I think that's Jesus is saying, right? There's, there's need to help others financially to give. Do it with the right motivation so you're not just getting a reward publicly. But sometimes you do need to post it on the social media to encourage mm-hmm. others. Yeah. Like, hey, here's a GoFundMe for this family in need. We're giving. Would you donate? But so you can do that and still follow Jesus right. with the spirit of but, love in you. But again, that point of, uh, and Jesus talks about this other place, that point, that um, term of you know the pomp and circumstances and the applause, the point is if that's what you're seeking, like that's, that's literally, you get your reward. There it is. You heard people clap for you. Cool. Like what, what reward is that? That's what you wanted. That was your goal. Your whole point in like, look at me giving isn't to help people, isn't to glorify God, isn't to love well, is to get people to notice you. And so Jesus Jesus is saying, like, yeah, that, that applause, it, it fades, and that's that's what you were living for. And I think it goes so far beyond just giving money. Like, we do our lives in such a way that, like, I want people to notice me. I want people to, to think I'm the best. And and God, Jesus is going, there's so much greater than that. And that reward is, really, that's what you want? A trumpet yeah. that you heard the sound and then it faded? You want a few comments on Facebook yeah. about you wanted your more likes, like that you won't have, and all the public criticism nowadays. Yeah, so <laughs> that's maybe a helpful thing in this. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna let people know. There's too many critics out there. Like that might actually help us with our heart motivation. And he says that about pray- prayer too. Like, don't just make it about a bunch of words and the eloquence. And so, if you're listening in, this might help you too. Like, God's not all jacked up about the words you use. Verse 7, he says, and when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Sometimes people get hung up on, I don't, I don't want to pray out loud or publicly because it's not really, I don't know what to say, and I don't know the right rote speech or the eloquence of words or whatever. Uh, God's not really hung up on that. He's more about sincerity of our heart, and mm-hmm. so it should free yep. us up. Yeah, and once again, this Jesus rule matter comes into play at the beginning. He says, don't... Don't be like hypocrites who love to pray publicly. So if that's all I read, then I might say, oh, well, then I should never pray publicly. Well, not at all. That's not the point. Again, we'd be remiss and, and, and really miss the, the point that Jesus is trying to make. The reason they like to pray publicly is what we've been talking about. They want the attention. They want the approval. They want the admiration. He's not saying it's, it's somehow wrong to pray publicly. That's absolutely not the case. And then the same thing with regard to the babbling on and on. He says, uh, this is uh, NLT, they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. So if we misunderstand this, once again, if we are trying to find what the rule is, then like, should we never pray about something twice? I've had that question over the years uh, many times. People it's like, so is it wrong to just keep praying for the same thing for weeks or months or years? No, not at all. That's, that's not the point here. In fact, Jesus will teach in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, he says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. The one who asks, you know, they'll be answered. The one who seeks will find. The one who knocks, it'll be open to them. And he's teaching persistence in prayer. So, 
you know, it's, it's so easy to misunderstand the point. The point is, don't have the repetition just be for the sake of getting people's attention or somehow thinking that, um, you know, that's going to impress God. But if your persistence leads you, like, like you love God and you're, and you're passionate and, about your desire and the thing that you're bringing before God, and you just keep praying, then he doesn't mind the repetition. He doesn't mind you continuing to bring that before him. That's the point of the teaching on Luke 11 and other places in Scripture. Yeah, think of the persistent widow, and Jesus kind of um, praises her for her for her persistence. Yep. Um, I, I think, again, I think it's hard because uh, as people, we're conditioned to desire the the praise of, of others. I mean, it feels good to be liked and wanted, and I think there's something obviously built into us by God to find um, relationship and to be loved, obviously find that in God. Um, but Scott, I think of what you said, like this idea of, I, I think a lot of times when I talk to people, you know, working with students for, forever, but now even in adult small groups, how many people don't like to pray out loud because they're worried about what the people, the people are going to judge my prayer. It's not good enough. Right, and I just look at these types of things. It's like, well, my prayers. I shouldn't be as I'm praying out loud in a group. I shouldn't be thinking about. I wonder what Scott's thinking about how I'm praying. Am I praying good enough for Scott or for the other people? Like, oh, I hope these people aren't judging me. Like, I should be presenting my request before God and focused on who God is, and and uh, in all these things, babbling or doing all this stuff. I think a lot of times we're scared to pray in front of people specifically because what are they going to think? And it's just Jesus is just saying, just just shift it a little bit, just shift it towards me, and it's okay. You don't have to worry about. It. I know it's easier said than done, um, but a lot of times it's easier to, for us to miss our our focus. But we yeah, but we got to do it. We got to quit trying to live life to impress other people. Absolutely. Like we just should all quit today. It's a Thursday. It's a great day to quit something. Just quit being so wrapped around the axle on like what other people are thinking about how we're living our lives, what we're doing, how we're praying. What we're given, you know, just I'm with you. That's just, hard for some it, people. So for some in people, Jesus so name. for some people in this room, yes, <laughs> absolutely. I just I, you just I, make I, it so 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 simple. Like oh, let's just quit. Like yeah, it's really hard. Here, but here's the thing: it's really clear, and this is what Jesus is getting in, in all of this. It's really clear of what to do. Absolutely. I think we get too much energy and effort rethinking and overthinking. Like, I'm not sure if that's the right thing, and let me research it, and let me try to figure it out, and let me come at it from a different angle. Uh, nope. I think we need to put more energy into taking action on that. So it is hard, but now I'm going to like just pick one sector of my life, one person, one relationship. Like, you know what? I love them, but I'm not going to get so caught up in trying to like win the approval of and have them like respond favorably to me and you know whether it's a friend or maybe you're an adult and you're like I'm still trying to get my dad's approval in life like you know what you should quit quit living for your dad's approval like hopefully he approves of you loves you tells you that expresses that but you should move on yes in Jesus name with the help yep. of the holy spirit but it's, it's hard that's my whole point is it's clear Jesus is like it's clear like just give to the needy but don't make it all about you in the moment you know yeah, I don't think it's a lack of clarity. I think it's a but lack we, of energy but, and effort. Come on now. Don't we get caught up in like, let me think about it. Let me get other opinions. No, I, I don't think so. No, I think for most people, it's like, yeah, I, I don't want to do that. I wish I didn't care. But when it comes down to it and I'm going to talk in front of people, I'm, I'm, my mind just automatically goes to, oh, what they? I made a mistake. Are they laughing at me? Like, I, I don't think it's a – I'll just speak personally. Uh, that's all you can do. That's all I can do. 
I don't, it's not like I don't know and I don't know where I should put my energy and effort. It's just, it's easy to slip back into a selfish, prideful place. Mm-hmm. Automatically, my brain's just thinking, uh, what are people thinking about me? Or did, you know, all that kind of stuff. It, it, it's, I know I should, I'm focused on God. This is for God. This is all about God's glory. God's got it. It's just easy to slip back into. It's not a confusing thing for me or a, you know, not clear. It's, it's just a prideful, arrogant, sinful thing. I want to point out something else here in this text. In verse 8, he's talking about their hypocrisy and their vain repetition, repeating words over and over again. And he says, don't be like them. And then he gives the reason why. He says, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. And I've had some, and he'll say something similar to that later in the same chapter. Um, when he talks about material things and your father knows that you need these things. So I've had people ask me over the years, well, so then what's the point of praying? Why do I have to pray? He knows what I need. Why should I have to ask him? And the reason is because he wants relationship. The reason is because it's good for you to have to acknowledge your dependency on him as your provider. And it's good for you to have that be a thing that draws you into closer, more intimate relationship. There's a relationship. It's not just a transaction. It's not just, Correct. I need this, and God knows I need it, so I shouldn't have to ask. He should just give it to me. That's not a relationship. Well, and if that's the extent of your relationship, yeah, that's what is sad. that? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a consumer right. relationship. So, You're just like, so God, I want to hang out with God, so we chat, we talk. Yeah. But if it's like, I'm going to God more often than not to ask for to something, something yeah. whoa, whoa, right. whoa, whoa. So what, what it's done for me there. over the years, when I think that through and I try to connect those dots, it's like it changes. It doesn't keep me from praying and bringing my request because Scripture is very clear. We, we're supposed to do that. But I, I bring them differently. Like I'll go and say, now, Father, I'm bringing this need before you, and I know you know all about this. I know you know what the problem is, what the need is, and I know you've already got a plan to provide it, but I'm bringing it for, before you, asking you know, gratefully for, for your provision. And because I know you are on it, I know you got this, I'm going to thank you ahead of time. It just changes the way I pray. I still pray and bring the need. But it's not like, you probably don't know what's going on, and it's desperate, and ah, you got to yeah. do something. He and, already knows. Yeah, but and it's fine to express all of those emotions in, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. moment. For me, the main thing that it does is it just always checks, checks my ego. It's really, <laughs> really hard for me to take credit afterwards for doing that thing when I know I've intentionally gone him. to God and asked yeah. him for it, and then later go, yeah, yeah, but I did that. It's, yeah, it's I, easier for me to say that when I haven't like really intentionally like, oh wait, God, you did provide that. Like, no, it's because we're working hard and we put the effort in and we so you know, I try to take too much credit. For sure, and I, I mean, I think the the age old thing is is a lot of times we think prayer is moving the hand of God when often prayer is moving the heart of man. Like it, it postures my heart in the right spot. Oh, there's a quote for you, right? You've never heard that one before? I have heard. Oh, I was going to just pointing out that it's was not, well, that's well and it wasn't an original. Yeah, I, was like, I didn't. Zig Ziglar probably said it's it. way too early in the morning to just <laughs> roll out that starfish. Kind of, <laughs> hey, but that, like, right? One. We think I'm going to go again. This whole section is all about our heart attitude and posturing ourselves with the right focus and and direction to God and His glory and partnering with Him in that in this beautiful relationship that He's invited us to. So if our relationship's all jacked up, that prayer is just this tool for us to bend God's hand. Like, God, I want you to do this. Would you do this? Would you please do this? God, do this. You know, it's like, no, we're, we're missing out on this beautiful communion with God in relationship, in conversation, where I posture my heart in a, hum, in a humble stance before him and 
honor him and relate with him and then understand that I'm in a better place and then yeah. seeking him. Now, I, I want to point out an irony in the text here. So Jesus is making this point about prayer. Don't be like the Pharisees. They draw public attention. They're doing it for admiration. And they have this vain repetition that they think somehow is going to move the hand of God, as you were pointing out. And then he goes and teaches us how to pray. He says, so pray like this. And then what have we done with that? We've turned it into a prayer to be repeated. Just the words repeated verbatim over and over and over again. We call it the Lord's Prayer. But what, what his intention is here is to teach us how to pray. He says, pray like this. Don't take these exact words and repeat them until they become almost meaningless. He's saying, no, this, this is how you approach it. Acknowledge who you're talking to. It's your Father in heaven. May your name be kept holy. You know, it's like, I know who I'm talking to here. May your kingdom come. I, I, I want your will. This is not about my need, my request, what I'm coming here to get. This is about your plan and purpose, you know, for the human race and for my life and for people around me. So he gives a, a pattern. It's, if, he says, if you pray like this, this is how I pray. This is how I talk to the Father. This is how you should talk to the Father. He, and, and so I'm not saying it's wrong to repeat those exact words. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, when, or once having it becomes, a different daily prayer or something you do more regularly. Yeah, yeah. But we got to keep our hearts engaged. It, but it's got to be the heart engaged. And so far too often, this just become words that somebody repeats. Let's all say it together, you know, our Father who art in heaven, you know, and, and then which version are we going to do our debts or trespass? You know, that whole thing that has been part of church life for, for literally for hundreds of years. And the irony is that that misses the point. That's exactly what the Pharisees got into. Right. And so it's, it is something that is very ironic that we, we don't take this and turn it into the thing that Jesus was getting after. So have you guys, you guys have had these where when you were talking earlier, Dad, about public prayer, yeah, we should do that, where you're in a, a public setting and you're the pastor or you're the guy, so they're like, uh, you pray. I remember this one time real vividly. Uh, we must have been, I was, must have been in college, and I think it must have been Thanksgiving because we went down to Las Vegas to Uncle Dale's house. Do you remember this? Well, and, I remember going to his house. I but don't at, remember like, the specific story because yeah, I don't know what it is. We've been there a few times, but I think only once for Thanksgiving time because I think we were doing – anyways, went down there, and it was – he had a bunch of friends over. There was some family, and there was a big group of us, and I think I was in college because – and he wasn't a believer at the time, but I, I could really look back and see, oh, his heart was opening to what God was doing. He had put his – like kids were in uh, Christian high school, and like I think Drew had really – come to know the Lord and was witnessing to his dad. Anyways, we're in this setting and it was kind of abnormal for us to pray as a family, a large family at his house, like he's running the show there. And he points to me, he goes like, you're, you're pastor in training or college guy. Well, I you do know. remember this. And he goes, why don't you pray? And I've prayed many a times in those kind of set settings where you're like, you're the official guy, you should pray. But I just look back and I think it sticks because of what was going on in his heart spiritually. And a couple years later, he came to know Jesus genuinely turned his life over to Christ um, in his 50s, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, in right a sense, he got a rare form of cancer and has since graduated and is with Jesus face to face. Um, but I just remember, like, that's one of those moments that stick out, like, public prayer. Yeah. And don't get all jacked up about the words in the moment, but be... Just speak from the heart. Speak from the heart, sincere. And who, whoever else was in that group, like... The, the ministering of God's grace in that moment of, to my uncle and to other people 
is huge and significant. And God's more concerned about what's going on in our heart level than having so, a, a formal prayer at Thanksgiving. So speaking of what's going on in our heart, so this next couple of verses, it's one of those speed bump passages I for like me. that you keep giving us all these oh, little... Oh, I'm trying. You're, you're getting all the nuggets out. So if you forgive those... So I'm reading, what is that? That's verse 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Great. Awesome. I like that. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. What do I do with that? Uh, just move along to you verse 16. You I know. forgive people. That's what you do with that. <laughs> Again, it's Text really... everybody in your phone that you have a grudge against right now. Yep. Just to be safe. <laughs> just to be safe. Again, I think to it's the point s- of like we want to overthink it, overthink it, overthink it, get wrapped. Like I'm not sure. Like it's really clear, Kyle, right? You just said it. Uh, we should forgive people. Yeah, but I don't understand all the why and the nuances and the things. And is this a salvation issue then? Am I in charge of my own destiny? Like, what did, wait, what did Christ do on the cross and the death and resurrection if I can just forgive sins? and Right? We just get lost in that. We spend so much energy in that. And you're like, hey, hey, you were a jerk. Go apologize. Don't be so arrogant. Like, humble yourself and confess your sin to another and, like, forgive. If someone's wronged you, don't hold it against them and try to be judge, jury, executioner. Like, forgive them. Like, extend grace. Well, I'm not sure, and we got to resolve all this emotional, theological, philosophical arena before I could take action. I think God's, Jesus was sitting on a mountain looking at tons of people go, y'all got relationship issues. You want to solve it today? Turn to your neighbor and forgive them. And then go home and live in peace. Life will be much better. No, let's sit here and debate for eons and centuries about what's the right course of action. Yep, and that's a good point. Um, I, I don't want to just have a... I derailed your whole theological No, 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 you, you, you pointed out what we sometimes do is we get into a real theological debate back and forth, and, and it's fruitless, right? Um, the church for the last almost 2,000 years is notorious for that. You know, is a communion, is it really the body of Christ? Is it somewhat the body of Christ? Is it a symbol? And there's all kinds of things that we've gone back and forth, back and forth, and books have been written, volumes have been written. Yeah. So, so that's not the thing I'm advocating, but, but what I have run across on occasion with people is they, they get all um, bound up. They get all worried. It's like, well, I tried to forgive them, and I think I've forgiven them, but if I haven't forgiven them, given them then God's not going to forgive me, and I'm going to hell? Like, they don't know what to do with a, a verse like that. Yeah, and, and then you just ask them, have you Googled Gonzaga's stats? Because <laughs> you just lifted one verse out of context here, and yeah. you apparently haven't read the other ones. Where else does it say that Jesus' grace and forgiveness of sin is based on all of your effort? Yeah. Where was that again? Yep, exactly. Okay, you should, you should it, Google. So, once again, it's like all these little pieces in this particular chapter, if you just take that one line or that one verse or those couple of verses... Lift them out of context. You come to the wrong conclusion. You got a Jesus rule, or you get you get worried and insecure and all bound up. Again, need to be taking it in context. Understand what the Lord's really driving at, and it's always about the heart, and it's always about doing things for the right reasons and doing it for His approval, not people's. That's, yeah, that's true here. I mean, I mean this, obviously, this idea of forgiveness is huge, and Matthew's going to continue to expand upon it. Um, Peter's going to ask him in uh, Matthew 18, like, hey, how many times should I forgive someone? When does it become this thing? Give me the rule, right? Again, they always want the rule. Teach us how to pray. What words should we say? Lord, yep. Lord, okay, Just is this a repeat after me? Do I follow after you? God, how many times do I forgive? What's my rule? And we but, want that. And that's what we would do. 
Oh, for if sure. Mom and dad gave a rule like, okay, I agreed your rule. Where's the exception? Yeah. Where's the loophole? How many times? <laughs> but he hit me three times. Is that, right. Can I hit him back yet? Oh, like, when, when can I not get in trouble for hitting my brother back? If he hit me twice, is the third, am I? In, right? And so Jesus is going to talk about it. But again, we, we complicate it because it's complicated because there's relationships and feelings and hurt and damage and all that kind of stuff. And I get it. But the, the simplicity is, yeah, forgive because that's what God did for you. And our call as Christ followers is to love the way Jesus loved us. And I don't deserve his forgiveness one bit. And I keep taking advantage of it. But he keeps forgiving me. So, I mean, simply, I keep doing that. Cool. Yeah. So it's, I like it's it. It's very clear, the way of Jesus. It's very clear. It's not complex or hard to understand. Um, you, you, let, you let a third grader who can read, right? They're just <laughs> learning to read, really. Uh, read for understanding. You let them read the scriptures here. They would get that Jesus is getting after. You should forgive people in your life. Yep. Then we get it. You should extend love and kindness, not an eye for an eye. We talked about that last week. Not take revenge. Not, oh, I said yes, but I'm not following through because I just want to lie to you. And so I want to look good in front of you. So I'll say I'm going to do the thing. And then, you know, my yes is really a no, but I don't want to say no to you now. So it's not complex. It's very demanding and requiring of us. No, for sure it is. But it's very clear what Jesus is getting after. So uh, it's, it's, it's the way to live. Like, you, you know, world, like the world stuff with like Russia and Ukraine again. I just think if everyone would just love their neighbor and lay down their arms, forgive, sought peace, sought how do I look to my neighbor's interests and not just my own, if I wanted to honor them and value them as an image bearer of God um, to help, help their life succeed, if everyone did that, man, how much, how much peace would there be in the world? Well, there'd be like perfect peace. It'd be great. It would be beautiful. It'd be wonderful. It'd be the way that Jesus intended before death and destruction and chaos entered the world. And then we call that sin. It's a rebellion against the way of God and uh, a, a turning to our own desire to li- how to live our own lives, right? For us to be king, because I want to reign in my own world. Well, we're not capable. We, we can't. And so, man, just Lord, Lord, help us with all that. So do we want to dive into the uh, don't store up treasures here on earth and the whole uh, birds of the field and, I mean, the lilies of the field and the birds of the air and we're getting... We're getting, we've got to land the plane here. Yeah, I know we do. Shortly here. I mean, did you, you already opened the can here. Did well, you it's wanna, an extended session. Yeah, it's, it's all, it's all connected here. Yeah. You know, he's like, hey, there's two different ways to live life as far as what's valuable and treasure. You can have earthly things that get stolen, rust, people break in and steal stuff. Oh, man. Do you just hate when people steal stuff? Like, my cars got broken into before. It's not only the stuff. It's not really the stuff. You feel violated. Yeah. You feel emotionally, like, not even physically, but you feel like physically you were violated. And, like, who was in here and who took something? Yep. And it just is unnerving. Yep. Like, it is. That's what Jesus is driving at. It's like, yeah. Don't put your heart there. Don't put your your heart in, wherever your heart is. There, you know your treasure is. There, your heart is connected. So don't put your treasure there, because then yeah, yeah, people are gonna do that, and that'll happen. So, yeah. and I think it's a can of worms. There's a lot here. I mean, we could be in this next section for for a long time. But again, the the things that we've been saying for 
this whole theme of this whole chunk still fits. It's He's still talking about the same thing. What is your heart devoted to? And what you're doing is showing that. Whether you're doing things to get praised and to get people to know you and to get people to applaud you, or if you're trying to build up your wealth, or if you're trying to build up your name, it's all the same. I mean, he gets down to it which, with a very famous um, passage that a lot of people know in verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for you either hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And we look at that, like, again, he's, he's just talking about money. In the light of this whole context, he's talking about what are you trying to build? Your, yourself, your authority, your, your kingship, are you trying to build God's kingdom? And what you're doing with your time is showing that. What you're doing with how you pray and the words that you speak out of your mouth is doing that. What you're doing with your possessions and what you want and what you're trying to build up is doing that. And so he's talking to me. He's going to talk about why are you so worried with how you look? Because you want people to like you. That's not as important as glorifying God. Yeah. Why are you trying to get more money? Because you're worried about your worth, er, earthly wealth. That's not as important as building God's kingdom. And once again, there's the danger of uh, people wanting to find what the Jesus rule is. So he leads off with, don't store up treasures here on earth where moth, moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. And, and I've had some people come to me and say, so does that mean we shouldn't save? Does that mean we shouldn't invest? Should we have retirement accounts? Like... We don't, we're not supposed to store up treasures here on earth. Just give me the money. I'll save for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is what the government has said for now decades. That's all. Yep. Give it to me and I'll take care of you in your old age. Um, but that's not the point. Once again, it's, it's, it, there's another place in scripture. Um, Proverbs 6 talks, look at the ants. They, they store up for, for the winter, you know. Uh, they're, they're diligent to, to provide for their future. He's, the, so doing that is, is good stewardship. Doing that is important. That's not his point here. He's saying, don't make that your goal. It's the heart issue all over again. If you're going to save, if you're going to put money away for retirement, great. That's good stewardship. That's common sense. That, that That's a great thing to do. But don't do it for the reason that, like you were saying, Kyle, that your heart, that's your heart's passion. You're tied to that. That's your goal. That's what's important to you. No, just do that because it's good stewardship. But let your your primary passion and devotion be to God. Yeah. And he, he's connecting the two, right? Wherever your, your bank account is, if you look at your bank account, that's where your heart is. And we could try to argue that all day, but you're like, no, 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 my heart is. Go look at the bank account. That's where your heart is. Like, they're, they're together. So if there's generosity, if there's giving, if there's thinking of others, it's, it's a really practical, like, almost scary, like, indicator of where my heart is. Because you're like, I don't want to be that honest. Uh, I heard a story, real quick story, on the Dave Ramsey show. There's a couple who was coming to do their debt-free screen, and they were just sharing why, what was the motivator for them. The guy is a nurse anesthetist, and so, uh, and I think she was a stay-at-home mom. He was making like 250 to now like $320,000 a year as a nurse anesthetist, and he really loved like his car. He had a Mercedes E63S. It was like one of the fastest four-door cars on the planet. They had, they had the stuff, right? And so he was working an extra shift at a, a, like a side hustle at a hospital on a weekend. And he went to buy lunch in the cafeteria, and he ran his debit card, and it got declined. And he's like, oh, wow, that's weird. No, no problem. And he went to run his credit card. His credit card got declined because it was maxed out. So all of his doctor and nurse people behind him, his coworkers, are like offering to pay for his meal. And he's, and he's flat out broke. 
and he wanted to stand up on the table and be like, I'm not broke. Like, I drive a Mercedes. But he would, was, like, poor. He was broke. He had no money. Because his wife had, like, was trying to clear out a, a debt or something, or she paid something really big and, like, drained the whole account, and he didn't know. Like, there was no money to buy lunch for his debit card. And that was a motivator because they said, we were so terrified. Like, if we were, they literally, like, if we were going to go on a trip, she was like, I kind of would have a panic attack. What if we died? And then people were, like, looking at our finances and go, what the heck are they doing? It's just a mess here. And they make all this money, and they're so broke. They were terrified for people to see their heart-to-bank account connection if they were to die. And then they take care of their kids. And, you know, like, this is a, this is a train wreck. But so. I think it's continued off the off the same theme. I mean, you say those things, and that's really clear in the idea of, like, look at your bank account and look at your heart. Those things are tied. But Jesus is saying that thing with a lot of things. Look at the words that you're speaking. They're tied to your heart, out of your heart. You're, so you're speaking about these things. It's tied to your heart condition. Look at what you're doing with your life trying to get attention, right? Because I look at somebody like that. I'm like, yeah, but... He also wants people to know that he's rich, right? Yep. I want the attention. I want the glory. I want the honor. I want the kingship. Look at my car when I roll up yeah, to the stoplight. That's about me. Uh-huh. And so uh, money is a huge tool that I think just magnifies that. But there's a lot of things. Jesus is saying how you're serving people, how you're giving to people, how you're treating people, how you're talking, what you're saying in prayer. It's all an evident of what your heart is and where you're focused on. And it's going to show up so evident in lots of these areas. So just Take that shift and turn your heart towards God and watch how these tools will magnify that. Take that shift. <laughs> turn take it. it. Take that shift. You got some shift? You got some shift. Take it. Take. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Don't do that. It, and that guy did. He sold his Mercedes, bought a Honda Civic, and he was still, as when they showed up, they paid almost $200,000 off in debt, still driving the Honda Civic. Like, he'll get a nicer car here shortly, but, I mean, he did. He was, like, yeah. legit going to shift gears and... Turn his Chip heart. Gears and, and Probably his only went to like a four-cylinder instead of his what fancy oh, six, eight-speed for sure turbo. Right. He's like, I got a four-banger so now. So he's driving so. an old Honda Civic making over 300000 a year because he's, yeah. more, he's more concerned about what's in his heart. She even said, like, it should be a thing. She's like, we were counting cars over character. Like, no, we were going to go character over cars. And they had to make a big – like, that was their hang – you know, one of their big hang-ups was the cars. So anyways – is that enough on that? We'll probably just land the yeah, plane here. Yeah, it's time here, to land the plane. And uh, we can pick it up next time Yep, that we're uh, together helping you find and follow Jesus uh, in these really clear but hard to do at times uh, way to live life. But it is the best way to live life. It's ultimately, we know, uh, it just brings life to us in our hearts as we love God and love the people around us. So have a great week following Jesus. We'll catch you next time.